for me, I'm open to the journey rather than, you know, having a set path and then dealing with either successes or failures on that path. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that quite frankly often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. Renaissance man, Jill of all trades, whatever term you choose to use, it describes my guest, Justine Mitzok, in her personal life and her professional life. On this episode today, Justine and I discuss the three big skills for success, authenticity, empathy, and curiosity. Let's dive right in. Justine Mitzok, I appreciate you carving out the time, making today happen. I know things are crazy, especially now that uh, the world of school has started. You've got multiple kids and man, we just never know uh, what we're walking into day upon day. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Adam. And yeah, that's what makes life interesting. So we're here, we're present and we're going to make it happen. All right. Well, and that we are. It's so great having people like yourself on, especially when you come through multiple channels. So you originally referred to me through John Hayde. I don't recall how you guys know each other, whether you work together or whatnot, but you know, spoke highly of you. And then lo and behold, it turns out we uh, both share a very close friend in Larry Sprung. So it was so nice to connect with you, immediately hit it off. And there were just so many things about you, whether it was your experience or mostly really just your disposition that I gravitated towards. So I'm excited to sit down with you today, even though it's virtual, and get to know you, let the audience get to know you on a different level, and then just discuss some of the accomplishments that you've had and how you've gone about doing them. So you ready to rock and roll? I am ready to rock and roll. All right. Introvert, extrovert, or do you kind of fall somewhere in the middle as what they call like a centrovert or an ambivert? Well, admittedly, I don't think I had ever heard of a centrovert before, but I would say I probably would identify with extrovert the most. I really get my energy from being with others, from learning, hearing different perspectives. I think like anybody else, I love my alone time. I can be alone. I enjoy it, but I really get my energy from others. Interesting. So are you an outlier as a recovering mathematician, computer science, and actuary? (laughs) Well, have you heard the joke, right? What's the difference between an introverted actuary and an extroverted actuary? No. Have you heard that one? No. Well, introverted actuary stares at their own feet, and the extroverted one stares at the other person's feet. I never heard that. I did hear, wait, what is the, oh God, now I'm 
called the task and I don't recall, but it's like, do you know the difference between why an introvert and an extrovert have voicemail? No, why? I mean, it's like, so the introvert doesn't have to take the call and it's the extrovert can't wait to, doesn't want to miss the call. <laughs> <laughs> Something to that effect. I can work on my delivery. Early bird or night owl? A little bit of both. I've actually never been a big sleeper, but I think lifestyle has more dictated when I need to be where. So, you know, today, like you said, we have school, we have kids, other jobs and obligations. So I'm usually up pretty early. Gotcha. So you're just rolling with the punches. Yes. Gotcha. So is there a, a hinge moment in your life where you know, almost like what we were talking about prior to going on the show when you're talking about your friend, anything that might've happened to you or an epiphany in your life? I wouldn't say an epiphany, but I'm certainly somebody that is always listening and learning. And I remember one particular speaker, his name is Hal Gregerson. His whole shtick is question everything, right? He has a book out there, I believe it's called Questions Are the Answer. I was raised in an environment where the boundaries were set. You're supposed to play within the boundaries, right? And success is really maximizing you know, what you can do within those boundaries. But when you start questioning things, when you start questioning the assumptions that go into whatever it is that's happening, or even question the status quo, say, why do we do it this way? Question the intentions of the person or persons asking you to do something. It opens an entirely different world. And it's super interesting. Once I took that perspective of really questioning everything in a constructive way, it really opened up a whole new set of variables for me. Love that. Now, is that along the lines of like a Simon Sinek to some degree? I don't know if you're familiar with him. Like why? He's big on why. Um, not so much. It's more like don't assume, right? So we all have biases that we go into when we either are at work or we're with certain bosses or different influencers. So it's really taking all of those biases out and really questioning like, what is the job to be done here? What are the success measures? But why? You know, why are we doing this job? Like, what is the actual goal? Can we work within this platform? No? Well, why? Right. It's really, it's not in a negative way. It's really trying to fully open up and understand what the job to be done is. Interesting. So tell me something that most people just don't know about you. I would say there's probably a couple things, but one is really, I love to work with my hands. So even though I'm in corporate and I go to an office and I've commuted my whole life, I'm someone who really just likes to tinker. I'm not an artist. I really can't paint or draw or anything awesome and creative like that. But yeah, I grew up tinkering with an old car so it, it would run, really just fixing up whatever needed to be fixed up. I ran my own lawn mowing business. I used to bus tables and drive boats around. I really just enjoy like working with my hands. Wow. <laughs> what haven't you done? <laughs> there's like the most interesting man in the world and maybe you could be his compliment. There's Maybe there's a Dos Equis commercial in your future. That'd be great. If they want to pay me to sponsor them, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> oh man. So let's transition over onto the professional side. If you don't mind, give everybody just a, a quick synopsis of your professional experience, your expertise, if you will. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I started my career as a pension actuary, and I think I'm one of those few people in that I've met that 
sat down in college and said, I want to work with math and I want to be an actuary. And I went out and I became an actuary. But I really just loved the consulting aspect. I mean, the, for me, the I'm just a consummate consultant. So really working with CFOs, CHROs to problem solve, right? To be creative, to understand their business needs and be able to take my expertise and my knowledge and help them come up with solutions. So that was the foundation of my career. And I really enjoyed that. Never really looked to do anything past that, but opportunities always sort of came up and I was always open to listening to what other opportunities could provide me with a different learning experience or a different perspective. So I moved into the corporate world of global benefits, working at Citigroup, just an amazing company, amazing set of people, great leadership, and had a great ride there. Learned both benefits and compensation from a global perspective and really enjoyed my tenure there. And then again, there was somebody who I knew in the industry who said, you know what, we're building a role like this for someone that never had this type of role before. And that was certainly intriguing for me to be able to take all of my expertise and actually apply it and be the one to build it. So I joined to build the total rewards space for the U.S. You know, it's so interesting. Here you are building things. It's not directly with your hands, but you're building. There's like a, a common theme here that's happening. Building Absolutely. boats, building businesses. You are a builder in some way, shape, or form, maybe in a past life. Who knows? There are a couple of things that you actually touched on, and I thought it was really important. You said it's important to be open or that you're always keeping an open mind. Do you, you mind expanding on that a little bit? Because I'd love to kind of go down that rabbit hole a little bit and kind of talk about some other things. So I'll leave it at that for now. Sure. And I do agree with you. I think it is a bit of a rabbit hole in the sense it can kind of take us in different places because I think for me, I'm not necessarily driven by I want this title or this status or this particular paycheck. I'm driven by, you know, am I learning? Am I contributing? And am I happy? Right. And it's, I correlate what I'm doing in my career, my job, very much to a, a relationship. And I always say that to people that I know. You're not necessarily always happy all the time, but you have to be comfortable with what you're comfortable with. So I wasn't looking for any of these opportunities. But when people that I knew and that worked with me and that trusted me came to me and said, hey, this is something that I think that it would be a good fit for you. I'm going to have the conversation for sure. And even if it doesn't lead to a job, would come out of it learning something or hearing a different perspective or meeting somebody new. So it's never lost time, in my opinion. You nailed it. It's an investment. That's an investment of your time. So why do you think most people are closed off? to hearing about new opportunities? Or do you think people just aren't getting enough or hearing enough about stuff? Or do you think people in general are just closed off and focused on the busy rather than the important? I'm not sure the answer to that, Adam. I think there's a certain amount of drive, I think, that people have and goals that they have. So maybe they're really set on a certain path 
Whereas I tend to be very open-ended as far as a path. And I, I still remember an interview question where somebody said, where do you see yourself in five years? It was one of those traditional, like, well, they're looking for the answer that you want to be the CEO or some sort of big success story. And I said, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know what the opportunities that are going to be presented to me are going to be. So for, for me, I'm open to the journey rather than you know, having a set path and then dealing with either successes or failures on that path. Wow, that's interesting. I wonder who the person back in 2015 was asking if they saw themselves in five years sitting in a pandemic at home. <laughs> I don't think anybody answered that question appropriately. <laughs> Everyone nailed that in 2015. Um, so, you know, and that's interesting. I like the openness, but I'm just more curious from the people aspect. So I used to own an executive search firm and I was in recruiting for, I forgot how many years, 10, 15, who knows, but it would, it never ceased, ceased to amaze me when reaching out to somebody to ask if they're interested in hearing about something when people would either just either know or hang up. Granted, I, you saw that more at the lower levels because they didn't necessarily understand the value of the big picture and the importance of relationships and understanding how the higher up the food chain, the little more scarce the roles became. But nonetheless, it still happened. So I, I just never ceased to amaze me. I'm sure. But, but let me ask you this. You've got a bunch of skill sets that I've identified why I think you've been so successful. I'd love to get your perspective on what do you think the three biggest skill sets that you've acquired that have led to your success? Yeah, I think that's a an interesting question because it kind of forces me to you know look back on, on something. So yeah, I think authenticity is probably one that comes to mind for me. And I didn't call it then back when I was was just who I was, but I've become very comfortable with who I was from very early in life. I was adopted. I was the only minority in a very homogeneous environment and kids are mean, right? And I had to deal with that from a very early age. So by the time I went to college, I was like, I'm good. I'm good with who I am. I'm, I have strengths. I have weaknesses, but I, I had a sense of you know confidence and stability that I think other people my age at that point didn't have. And I think that really helped me to be able to, you know, tackle some of the things that I tried to tackle. So for example, applying for an actuarial internship when I was a sophomore in college, I didn't have the grades. I was never really strong academic student. I didn't have the pedigree. I wasn't coming from one of these universities that they recruit from, but I was just went to the the local dress barn and got myself a suit and just said, I'm here and I'm going to try. And I ended up getting the internship, which led to my first job in the actuarial world. That's a great story. All right, two more. That's a good one. And I, and and actually, I'd like to piggyback on that because I think <laughs> you mentioned authenticity. And I'll tell you one of the reasons authenticity is so important because when you're authentic, you, and there's studies behind this, they're, oh my God, Google, what's it called? I forgot the study that they did. Project Oxygen, I think is what it's called. And they identified the most successful teams. It's a long uh, project that they did, but they identified their most successful teams. The cornerstone of the success was something called psychological safety. People felt psychologically safe around their leaders. And, and that was because they were 
people were authentic. They could be comfortable with each other. And when you are comfortable, you're going to get the best Justine. And what that's also going to raise is that's going to lead to trust. And you mentioned even earlier about the importance of trust. People that you trusted or trusted you reached out to you and provided you opportunities, whether it was a conversation or even roles that came to fruition. So kudos to you on the authenticity. Okay, two and three. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree with you more, Adam, and you stole my thunder because trust and and authenticity to me are um, just critical. And I think they play very much into relationships. So I think number two, I would say empathy. You know, it's interesting in the past five or so years, this has been a hot buzzword in the industry and elsewhere. And it's just something that's innate in me. And I'm not tooting my own horn in the sense of saying I was ahead of the game in any way. It's just, I, I think my natural default is always to consider somebody else's perspective, right? So when somebody comes to a meeting and they, they're not collaborating and they're getting frustrated, I don't sit there and go, oh, okay, I have to convince this person that my idea is right. I have to think, like, why are they so invested in this? What does it mean to them? And if I don't know, I, I can ask. But when I when you consider everybody else's perspectives, it just, again, opens up that the question and the goal, and it makes it easier to build those relationships. That's huge. And it's so ironic. So last night on my other show, I had somebody on, his name's Bill O'Haron. He's written a book. He does marriage counseling, relationship counseling. And he was just talking about how important that empathy is and to be and to make yourself available to kind of move your ego to the side and to be able to listen and get someone else's perspective. He, he is saying that is paramount for building real relationships. So, so again, kudos to you. Two for two. All right. What's number three? I feel like I'm passing the test here. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the third, I would say curiosity. I think I am led by just wanting to learn, wanting to see a different perspective. And I think that couples with the authenticity in the fine to admit that I don't know everything or that the way that I think we should do things isn't necessarily the only way or the best way. I'm extremely leave myself extremely vulnerable because I want to learn. I'd rather learn something and be curious and be my idea goes out the window versus getting my idea in and really limiting myself, frankly, and whatever company I'm working for to to just my ideas, quite frankly. Mm. We have another whole other rabbit hole on curiosity here. So I'm just going to check the box and say, okay. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that just struck me about you was your ability to connect and the way that you viewed relationships. Again, coming back to some of them, I'm assuming it's more, I guess it's a result of these three that you talked about. You're curious to get to know people. You're curious to learn. You've got this empathy to be able to make people feel very comfortable. Again, the authenticity because you're showing who you are. So people are gravitating towards towards you. And I think that's awesome. And as a result of these things, it's a relationship soup that's, that should be, a, I guess, the feature on a restaurant's menu. <laughs> that is Justine. So have you always been a people person or is this something that you've worked on? It sounds like growing up might not have been easy. 
Yeah, and, you know, and I'm not going to pretend that that it wasn't easy. It was more, it was distinctive, right? And it's part of, you know, what shaped me to be who I am today. But I do love people and I have a very small family and I've worked my way through college and been really reliant on, you know, friends emotionally and you know, sometimes financially. And I, I think relationships in a lot of different ways are extremely important. Why? What are they? What's so important to them for you've relied on them? So obviously the finance, the personal, is there anything else? Like, is there what makes them? Is it having someone that you can call if you're in a, in a bad mood? Is it advice? Is it a job? Is it all the above? Well, I think for me, it's actually being able to help somebody else, Mm. right? For me, I get satisfaction when somebody trusts me enough to rely on me, right? They trust me that I'm not going to judge them. They trust me that I want to take the time and my relationship is genuine. So for me, it's actually about when I get that call and somebody is, oh, I was... A very simple example, but I was at a Boy Scout event on Friday for 9-11 and I saw another another mother who was kind of in between meetings and I know her husband works uh, works nights. And I said, let me, let, you know, let me bring your kid back. Let me, let me do whatever it is that you need to do because I'm here and I can do that. But it's actually the, the person letting me do that. She was is trusting me to care for her child or that I'm going to do whatever needs to be done so that she can mentally relax and go do the things that she needs to do. That's awesome. What do you do to proactively to stay up with those in your networks? I would say I actively ask for help. And that's huge, by the way. And most people don't do that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's a great, and you never hear somebody give that answer. So, so keep going. I apologize for interrupting. No, that's, I was going to say, and it's reciprocal, right? And, and proactively helping others. I think one, one thing that I really enjoy doing is when I talk to recruiters, or I hear about a job, my first thought is, do I know somebody who would be a good fit for this? And uh, recruiters always like to talk to me because then I, I, you know, three or four names rattle off the top of my head and I, I get on my text and I ask somebody if they're looking or I try to make that connection. And I really enjoy that. And it helps me keep up with what companies are looking for, but it also helps me keep up with what colleagues and friends are looking for in their career journey and seeing if things can be a good fit. But like I said in the beginning, also asking for help because people like to be asked for help, right? People like to, they like to help, right? They want to feel that they are trusted and that they have something to offer and can contribute to your career. That's great. What are, tell me about LinkedIn. What, what, what does that do? What does it mean to you? How do you use it? Do you use it? I do use it. I use it quite a bit. I'm not on Facebook or the other more personal social media. So LinkedIn for me is the only platform that I use to keep you know current on what people are doing and, and where they are. So I'm on it quite a bit to really make sure that I stay connected. And frankly, as I mentioned before, if I hear a recruiter has a job or I learn of a job that, that is open, I really take to my LinkedIn to try to you know, find some of the people that, that I know might be a good fit or help advertise the role. Something that when we first connected that I was impressed with, and I'm very disappointed with most people that don't have the same answer as you, but you actually, you knew people who were on your LinkedIn. 
<laughs> you, you knew them, which I thought was great. I knew I, them I, all. Yeah. And you didn't just know them, like you knew them. A lot of times I'll say, oh, I, I noticed that you knew Larry. And they'll be like, Larry? Who's Larry? And I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm assuming you work together or it looks like you might have gone to school with them. And like, I'm better at making the connection than they were to their own. So I, I just don't, I don't, I'm not comprehending that. I'm not sure the rationale uh, behind that unless they're in, I guess, some kind of sales function. But I'm just curious to get your thoughts on how you're using LinkedIn just for those that are out there that are listening, maybe because it's a great tool if used properly. So I, I think that we could learn when you reach out to somebody, what do you do? And at the same time, when people reach out to you, who are you accepting and what's your interaction with that person? Yeah, and I think it's evolved over the years too, but I would definitely say everybody in my contacts, either I worked with them or had some sort of relationship with them. What I tell people who are looking for jobs or looking for something, I always say, you're welcome to look at my network and I'm happy to make a connection with anybody that's in my network, right? So for me, the filter is I should be comfortable making some sort of connection with that person. I admit the older I get, the less my memory uh, serves me. I'm usually very good with with names. So there are definitely some who I have not interacted with in, in several years. So I don't know if I can take every single one and say, yes, this is exactly what they're doing now. But I really love staying connected, keeping up with where people are going, seeing the commonalities. You know, if two people that I know end up at the same company, that just happened recently where two people from one of the big brokerage firms went to the same smaller one and I connected them just saying, hey, you guys are both people in my network who I really enjoyed working with and now you're working for the same company and you should meet each other. That's great. Let's talk a little bit more about that. The fact that you took a minute out of your time to do that, you connected two people, they're both going to benefit. The new person's probably going to be that much more appreciative because now they get another insider on the track, make them feel a little more comfortable. Someone who can give them again, more insights and just perspective on an organization. Why do you do that? What do you get out of it? I think the satisfaction of helping people and thinking that just that little connection it may not be critical to anybody's success, but maybe that one connection was just helpful in everything that they have to deal with, right? Because one of, one of the people had relocated. So there's just a lot of change going with people, a lot of things going on in their day. So if there's one step that I can make a little easier, and maybe maybe they didn't connect and maybe it's not meaningful, but if it was, then great. Yeah, I love that. So can I give you a tip, share something for, Absolutely. for LinkedIn? Uh, not in the introduction side, but on the for LinkedIn in general. So it, it is hard to remember. They say you're only able to really kind of... 150 people is essentially what they say the average brain is, is is capable of handling in terms of friends, acquaintances, stuff like that that you really know. So as in this world, things are moving exponentially. You're meeting way more people. You're interacting with a lot more people. So the beauty of LinkedIn, it's a free database. So what I encourage people to do is if they, when they first connect with somebody on LinkedIn is to acknowledge, write out a little more for both parties. So saying, hey, Justine, great to connect. I'm really appreciative that, that John Hayde made this happen. And it's such a small world that we happen to know Larry Sprung. We had a really good conversation and I'm looking forward to continuing the dialogue or whatever that might be. Yeah. So what would happen is now here we go. Let's say that we, you and I don't talk about well, a year, two years, maybe even five years. 
but maybe somebody wants to meet me or I come across somebody that wants to meet you. And I don't remember, or you don't remember who the heck is Adam Connors guy. I don't know who he is, but I'm connected to him. And I know that I guard my connections pretty, I, I keep them pretty tight. So I must know him in some capacity. I go into LinkedIn. I, I go into our history, the message where we communicated and bam, there's some information that recall that helps me to recall what we talked about, who he is, and hopefully it elicits some type of feeling, ideally positive, (laughs) 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 that uh, can help make both parties feel good about what the relationship is and how we left off. Do you follow all that? Absolutely. And it's like filling that gap from the old school where you'd have to kind of find the person's email and then (laughs) make that intro and I don't, uh, I'm marking my age, but we used to, um, when we were in consulting, have Palm Pilots. And I, um, Palm I remember, Pilot. oh, I love the Palm Pilot, but I remember I always put the connection in and in the notes section, I'd write something that I knew about the person. So either they have kids in college or their their spouse is also in the same, the, the same type of business, whatever it was distinctive about that person so that I can, it could help me recall when I didn't reach out to that person later on. Golden nuggets, great habits. I love it. Your success leaves clues and and you're dropping them left and right here. I got one last question before I let you go. And I'd love to know what the best advice that someone ever gave you was. I think the best advice, well, the person who gave it probably doesn't even remember, but I was, when I was at Citigroup and Sally Krawcheck was the CFO at the time, she was speaking at an event and I remember her saying, take the job that nobody wants. And she was talking about, you know, how her career journey got her to where she was, especially being a female in financial services. But I I remember that resonated because her perspective was if something is broken and you and nobody wants to touch it and you go in and you tackle it and you fix it, like, isn't that great for everybody? Right. You learn, you're the hero, and then you can really tackle anything. And you just sort of iterate that versus going just for the top title or the shiny penny. And I, I, that really stuck with me. And I remember because she was so successful and she's so smart, her advice was take that job that nobody really wants to touch and it can pay out in spades. Well, the irony of her being the person, first of all, it's great advice, number one. <laughs> number two, the irony uh, of that, at least from my perspective is, I don't know if you're familiar with what she ended up, one of some of the things that she did, but she founded something called, it was formerly 85 Broads and it kind of came out of Goldman Sachs and it was a women's networking uh, group for Wall Streeters. And, and it's expanded and it's since become something called Elevate Networks or Elevate Network. And actually my friend Christy Wallace is now the CEO of it. And she was actually on my other show and Christy's fantastic. I could talk for hours about how amazing she is. But one of Sally's quotes that one of my, uh, my favorite quotes from Sally is that she comes out and says, networking is the number one unwritten rule for success in business. And she stands behind that. And it's, I think it's really ironic because I think that you are a fantastic networker. You've built great relationships. Obviously, you've worked hard. I love the advice. You've dropped many a pearls of wisdom. This has been a really good conversation that I wish could just continue and continue. So we might have to have you come back. <laughs> I would be honored. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, make it a great day. You too. 
Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always network wise.